HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by World's Best Cheese. For more information, visit wbcheese.com. Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, I'm Diane Stemple, and this is Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. Happy Leap Day. I'm in the studio today with the esteemed Max McCalman, writer, fromager, cheese expert extraordinaire. Welcome, Max. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Diane. You're very welcome. Now, for anyone who does not know of him, though I would imagine for our listeners of Cutting the Curd, that would be almost no one. Uh, Max McCalman has a long history as one of the godfathers of cheese in America, starting at Picheline in what year? 1994. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And then moving to Artisanal. And for our cheese book-loving audience, writer of one of the first and most classic cheese books, The Cheese Plate, in 2002. And then... Uh, Cheese, A Connoisseur's Guide to the World's Best Cheese in 2005, and more recently, Wine and Cheese Pairing Swatch Book, and a new app called Max McCalman's Cheese and Wine Pairing App. Hey, one thing I've noticed, Cheese and Wine Pairing App, Wine and Cheese Pairing. How come you reversed the words? I don't know. What am I doing? (laughs) Was it an accident? Uh, with the app, I, I, I thought it was. Uh, I wanted to draw attention to the cheese. Okay. And uh, the editor just slipped in the uh, wine first. Uh, I guess at uh, in the book. In the book, yeah. Huh. I didn't think anything about it. But then right. when it was my app, uh, well, it's my book, but my app. I thought um, this is because there are many wine pairing apps. Uh-huh. And there are some cheese and wine pairing apps out there, too. Uh-huh. But um, I wanted to uh, put the spotlight or the focus on the cheese. Right. right. Because that's what you're known for. I mean, and, and More than wine, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, well, you do know some wine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I just was puzzled experience. when I 
focused on the difference, I thought, oh, that's strange. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, you forgot to mention my other publication. And please mention it Mastering for me. Mastering Cheese. Right. Lessons for Connoisseurship from a Maître Fromager. Had to put that disclaimer in there. Yeah. Right. And when did that one come out? It came out in 2009. Oh, that might not be in my library. Oh, my gosh. That might be the problem. Ooh, wow. Oh, we are going to have to fix that. Real quick. <laughs> So anyway, um, okay, so how are, my first question is, how is the Swatch book and the app similar, and how are they different? Hmm. Well, uh, the Swatch book is something that is uh, in some ways more approachable. It's tangible, uh, of course. It's a physical something you can carry into a store with you, as you could in the app. But um, I think it's partly a generational thing mm-hmm. uh the app is uh, some people it in in some ways the, the book itself is is faster than the app mm-hmm. we think the apps are so fast but then they do involve uh, touching a screen or two mm-hmm. before you get to the information whereas with the swatch book you can just um, uh, flip through the 50 some odd cheeses mm-hmm. uh with in the, alphabetical in order. alphabetical order mm-hmm. and then uh look on the reverse side for the uh Recommended wine partners, uh, whereas with the app, uh, an advantage that it has is that it has many more cheeses, mm-hmm. uh, about four times as many cheeses and counting. Mm-hmm. And um, you can also search by varietal, wine varietal. You can search by Pinot Noir. Oh, okay. With the Swatch book, it's definitely more cheese focused, which is interesting because it's a wine and cheese Swatch book. It should be a cheese and wine right, Swatch book. Right, right, right. And I noticed on the back, um, you list alternatives of the wines, and there's so many alternatives, which you could punch in if you were on the app, and you wouldn't know to punch in and look for them in in the physical swatch book. And the app is more specific, because, for example, not all Pinot Noirs are the same. Right, And if you search by uh, Pinot Noir, you'll... it's it's a kind of a problem, but it's also one of the reasons why it is a good app. It's very specific because um, you will see a drop down of various Pinot Noirs and then extend over to the cheese that, have, that I found worked well with that particular Pinot Noir. Okay. So you've and, got flavor differentials in that one. Right. And mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the Swatch book, it names the varietals. Okay. And it doesn't, I don't believe, I, can't, I don't think it's any more specific than that. Right. Right. Um, now, of the two, which happened first? Did they happen in conjunction? Were they your idea? Were they your publisher's idea? Uh, the idea of having an app uh, crossed my mind before the app word existed. In, because it was back in the days at Pichelin in the late 1990s, and people ah. would come in and say, I am finishing off this Cabernet Sauvignon, what cheese would you recommend for it? Right. And I could remember many mm-hmm. or a, a few. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I did start to uh, collect a database. And originally it was in Word document because mm-hmm. I didn't know how big this would become. It should have been in Excel. And so. Um, did Excel I w- exist already? I have that document still in Word. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, and I've had have its updates, too. But to, So I uh, added to the document. It got to the point, by the time it got to 28 pages, I was walking around the restaurant. Um, sometimes people were saying, oh, what works with this? And so it was cheese-based. 
instead of having varietal base. So I was doing lookups, and I thought, I really should digitize this right, somehow. Right, And this is before apps mm-hmm. uh, were created. So I... So you weren't a, thinking of people carrying it around in their pocket. You were just thinking of making it easier. As I was, easier. on have by 11s. <laughs> And, and, and adding in new printouts on a daily basis. <laughs> right. And so, um, so I had a, a it's a, not a very smartphone called Trio. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Trio, but uh, it, it did have a, a function where you could add databases. Ah. And so uh, I loaded in my uh, Word document onto my Trio, and so I could search uh, on my Trio. This is bef- in the wine iPhone. store or at work. I mean, at work. I oh, okay. At work. Okay. And so, and so you could punch in the question and get some of your of your own of, info. Yeah, like I say, it was not a very smart phone, right? But it right. it did the job. Mm-hmm. And instead of carrying around a bunch of uh, pieces of paper, um, but um, I kept on adding to this database uh, to the point that the uh, the trio finally uh, conked out <laughs> on me, and uh, so um, I wanted to carry this this uh, this database with me and um, so I had the idea to develop an app uh, years ago mm-hmm. and uh, finally found a way to uh, put it together uh, with the assistance of my um, uh, colleague uh, Frederick I don't know if you met Frederick but he helped to develop my website and mm-hmm. he also helped with the app mm-hmm. and uh, so he was he also a photographer um, he is a photographer, but oh. he's not a professional photographer. Oh, okay. He's, he, is, he is somewhat of a designer. Too. Oh, okay. He's got a good eye. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to uh, help um, put the app together. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does still manage the uh, the website for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so then the publisher came up with the idea for a swatch book. Okay. And that came the after. publisher of your books. Right. Okay. Even though the swatch book was published before the app was launched, Okay. the idea for the app was launched in the late 1990s. Oh. It, in your brain, in my brain, <laughs> and then it before was, apps existed. Yes, but it was it, its launch date um, was uh, last May, so it's not even a year old. Yeah, uh, I yet. saw, I saw that. So it's, uh, it, but it's. It took a I'm while now. When did the app that the Frederick start helping with the app? I mean, when were you knowing uh, you were going with to? Me, he started working with me in uh, let's see, in twenty. 12, I think it was, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he's German, so he's a beer expert, uh-huh. and so he co-taught a class with me on cheese and beer at the old Artisanal Cheese Center, mm-hmm. and um, and um, his studies at NYU were based on uh, sports and events management. Hmm. That was his field, and uh, I said, well, I do events, and, uh, and cheese and sports dovetail <laughs> nicely, and so, and uh, and I, his father is a. Is it cheese um, a sport? Is, is sports. cheese not a sport? <laughs> Sp- successful athletes incorporate cheese into their diets because <laughs> yes. of the high protein and and energy yeah, and everything else. Yeah. So, um, so uh, when I left um, the old online business. Mm-hmm. Um, I formed a company to take over all the events and education that were handled through that company mm-hmm. and uh, with the ongoing consulting work that I had mm-hmm. and um, then proceeded to uh, work on the app. Okay. And uh, he was the project manager mm-hmm. and still is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, that's how that started. But meanwhile, the um, Swatch book came out and... Um, the swatch book was the easiest thing I've ever published. Mm-hmm. It was the publisher's idea. Okay. 
And uh, and does it come from the books? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. most well actually uh, a lot of the images do. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the images came directly from the books mm-hmm. and uh, same publisher, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the pairings came from the books. But after the release of my third book, I had added many more pairings, right. so I was able to incorporate those pairings into into the Swatch book. Mm-hmm. And since the Swatch book came out, I added many more into mm-hmm. the app. Does the Swatch book get sold at? all the same places that the books get sold or does it also get sold at cheese stores differently or it, it apparently sells a lot more places than my books do because it, <laughs> well it's cheaper right it's less expensive and it doesn't weigh three pounds yeah so and you can carry it around you can put it in your pocket right you know. and it's a good gift if you're giving someone cheese it's probably a good add-on gift yeah you know, it's uh, it's no yeah, and mm-hmm. it's cute mm-hmm. it, it looks yeah, good yeah mm-hmm. how much does the app cost uh the app is free Oh, the app is free. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought it may. Uh, I thought it would make some money. So it's not money. making you a millionaire. No, it's making me um, a very worn out hobbyist. <laughs> <laughs> it was an expensive hobby, but I still use the app almost a daily on a uh-huh. daily basis. You use it. I use it. Now, do you use it use to it um, put more info into it? Uh. No, no. Uh, but I do use Does it Frederick too. have to do that? He, well, that and developers. And so the mm-hmm. last update uh, was several weeks ago, and I don't expect another update to occur for a while yet because uh-huh. we already have subscribers uh, around the globe. Okay. And um, over 54 countries the last time I checked. Wow. And uh, without any marketing, it's, uh, it's growing. And I was convinced by someone else that instead of charging for the app, uh, its greater value long-term is to offer it free mm-hmm. and um, and uh, to help uh, grow the brand. Right, right. Yeah. The brand of cheese and you. The cheese brand. And you. Uh, well, yes, but <laughs> cheese... Well, you're, you know, you're a cheese spreader. Cheese spreader. <laughs> Yes, it's been known to happen. (laughs) So, back to my questions. How do you ever pick 50 cheeses for the Swatch book? That was tough. How? Um, I mean... uh, Considering that more than 90% of the cheeses produced in the world today are produced from cow's milk. Yeah, okay. I wanted to give cows... (laughs) Cows their fair share? (laughs) I don't think I gave them 90% because I think most cheese lovers don't know that cow milk comprises that big a fraction of the total. Uh, So I did give quite a few goat and sheep. I did not include any water buffalo cheeses in the uh, Swatch book. Much okay. less reindeer, yak, or okay. camel, or Okay, horse. so that was one of your first considerations, was mostly cow, but put some sheep and goat in. And I wanted to um, include some American cheeses. Right. Uh, and I wanted to uh, mix up uh, European countries, so uh, mostly Western Europe. Those are the cheeses that right. I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and for different families of cheeses, such as uh, uh, pressed uh, cooked and pressed, bloomy mm-hmm. rind, washed rind, mixed milk. There's a couple right. of mixed milk cheese in there too, mm-hmm. and um, then that um, that made it fairly easy to pull okay. together. Okay, so you were uh, spreading things out more than just picking your favorites. 
Definitely. Okay. Uh, because um, if I but favorites is difficult for me, uh, but I, I wanted to uh, cover as many bases as possible. Mm-hmm. With 50 cheeses, it's surprising how many families of cheeses you can include in 50. Right. Setting aside the... Um, well, you do cheat. Well, not cheat. I don't know. Uh, yeah. You call cheddar as one cheese. So that, you know, that's like 10 cheeses right there. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 10 favorites, if not, you know, right. 100 cheeses. But I did, I'm not sure, but I'm fairly certain that I did say that uh, when I'm speaking of cheddar, I'm speaking primarily of the um, uh, southwest uh, farmhouse mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. cheddars of England. That's in, in their cognates. Right. Things right, like right. that. Well, because you're matching it with wine, so you want to taste-wise Right. But the interesting about those types of cheddars, and you throw that in, is because um, cheddars, as Patrick Grant said, is uh, uh, England's gift to humanity. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, cheddars, uh, be it uh, Montgomery's, or Keen's, or Fiscalini, or Cabot Clothbound, they do have similar, or others, they do have uh, uh, similar harmonics uh-huh. with similar wines mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they so it's if you don't have one but you have another then you're probably going to get uh, you'll be happy you'll probably be happy okay okay yeah. i did um would you like to know how your percentage of american has increased through the years not sure <laughs> <laughs> have you have you counted uh, well, what this, would you think? What would you think? I, I counted. You have counted. I have counted. Percentage of Americans based in, on what? On your 2002 book, your 2005 book, and the Swatch book. Hmm. Just I would, because I feel like since 2002 to now, well, the American, you know, yeah, cheese out, has France, expanded right? and Entirely. and improved mm-hmm. amazingly. Oh, it's it is it is I amazing. Mean, I do remember your you did not have the friendliest attitude towards American cheeses really? in the beginning. In the very no, beginning. In no, the very me? beginning. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> I like Europe, but You do. You do. You like France. You I do like, like Portugal, France. I like Switzerland. <laughs> you I like do. Italy. You do. That's I like true. England. Yeah. I kind of like Holland, too. Um, <laughs> your Spain's your great. French percent has stayed stayed high too. <laughs> well, uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, we've come a long way. Yeah, and uh, although there were some great cheeses produced uh, in with the publication of my first book, mm-hmm. and I did include some. Yes, you did. I you did, did like them. There were thirteen percent in the O two book. Okay, so in the Swatch book, what does it comprise? Eighteen percent. That's oh, it's bigger than that. It's not. Well, well, because cheddar is, you know, doesn't it? You cheddar, I counted in both. I don't know about that. English and American, you know, it was. Well, fifty cheeses isn't much. True. It's just not much. Yeah, it's it, it's slim pickings. <laughs> That's all we have. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did go up to seventeen percent by oh five, and I didn't count the new book. Okay. Does the new book, um, the newer um, book, 
Mastering Cheese has uh, a chapter dedicated to American okay. produced okay. cheeses. But yes. does it have a account like? But I mean, since then, it's it, even in Eat the past, right. past right. few weeks. You know, <laughs> right, they're just booming. <laughs> well, it's a great thing about uh, that. What's happening here is uh, this is where the excitement is occurring. Mm-hmm. Is right here within our shores in, the, in the cheese world, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, as. Some people have heard me say, and maybe I heard this from somewhere else first, but probably um, Americans are not uh, American cheesemakers are not. Uh, they don't have to follow recipes as as directly as strongly, and so they can tinker more, right. and uh, so they can mix up uh, methods of making. They can mix up um, and they breeds. invent names right and left, right, right. <laughs> They take liberties. Right, after but, streets or mountains or whatever. Or after French name cheeses. <laughs> That's true, too, which is not allowed, right? Oh, well, but it's a little dollar late and a dollar short. <laughs> okay, we got to take a break. This is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd talking to Max McCalman about his wine and cheese app, uh, swatch book and his app, and we'll be back soon. Today's program was brought to you by World's Best Cheese. The World's Best Cheeses offers a world-class selection of specialty foods, from fine artisanal domestic products to unique gourmet items from France, UK, Italy, Spain, Germany, Switzerland, Portugal, Denmark, Holland, Norway, and Canada. They offer over 2,500 delicious products, including world-class cheeses, crackers, dips, and spreads. They pride themselves on their commitment to service and their ability to find the products your customers want at great prices. For more information, visit wbcheese.com. Careful. Hi, it's Diane Stemple, back on Cutting the Curd with Max McCalman. So um, how do you personally find new cheeses? And how often do you update the app? Oh, uh, the last update of the app uh, was uh, two two months ago or more. Okay. Yeah. And how many cheeses did you add and how many were new? Um, I I think uh, we launched with a hundred less than one hundred fifty uh, cheeses, so mm-hmm. we've added them very gradually. Uh, partly because um, if I work with a new cheese, then I want to have more than one or two pairings with it, mm-hmm. because otherwise it becomes lopsided. For example, Comte has mm-hmm. what, dozens of pairings, right? And um, a new so cheese. you have to taste it enough I times have to, to have, have to. enough suggestions. I think so. And, another, and one of the uh, things that slows down the development of the app is not having uh, proper images of the various cheeses. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's interesting that uh, some people recognize the uh, potential of the app to gain exposure, the marketing value of having their cheeses on the app. Right. And so they uh, came up with some lovely images, whereas others looked at it like, I'm, like who cares? Who cares? Or that uh, I should have to pay for the images. Oh, okay. And, okay, um, which is silly for them. 
Yeah, I think it's a lost opportunity. Or right. Not a lost, right. but a missed opportunity. Especially since the app is free. If you're not charging for it, Well, I was charging sh- at the beginning. But oh, I, okay. But I, not much. But, right. um, but now it's, uh, it's a free app, and yeah. a, a rising tide raises all ships, so to speak, I guess. And but don't I, people want free advertising on the Internet? Uh, some people don't recognize the value of it, I mm-hmm. guess. But some people mm-hmm. are more progressive thinking and think mm-hmm. that it would be good mm-hmm. to have an image. But a lot of cheesemakers don't have images. Or if they have images, they don't match the quality of some of the images that okay. they've had from other producers. Now, how long does it take you, if you're tasting a new American cheese, um, either, I guess it might be different from a new cheesemaker or an established cheesemaker, how many times do you have to taste that cheese to get an idea of consistency enough to put it on your app? Not just the pairings, but the reliability of the right, cheese. Right. Well, uh, when I have these sessions, I whenever I'm tasting cheese with wine, I, I make a record uh, and it's uh, of the success of the pairing, mm-hmm. and I make a note, and I'll then I'll added it into the database mm-hmm. and then it goes to the database and then it will end up on an update on the app assuming I have an image uh, for the cheese um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, the first time I try a cheese and wine pairing just because it's uh, one of those uh, uh, out of sight plus twos I call them right that, I remember yeah you know, those plus if it's those one of those excellent marriages yeah those over the tops <laughs> then um, uh, it may not be a plus two the next day Right. It might even be a zero. And so I want to try the same pairings or as many pairings as possible, as many times as possible until I feel comfortable in making something that I can put out forth. But the thing is, there is a level of subjectivity to it, of course. Uh, but the principles of pairing foods and beverages apply to cheese and wine pairings or cheese and bear pairings or cheese and scotch pairings or cheese and sake pairings. They're all pretty much it's, it's all related. So um, I just want to. I don't want to put thing something down in print or digitize something that I haven't experienced a few times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So both the cheese and the pairing. The cheese by itself, always. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Get to okay. know the cheese on its own. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say the next day, do you mean the very next day? And does that mean the cheese has to last? The, it's interesting that sometimes I, in some scenarios i've had the opportunity to teach uh, a class with the same lineup of cheese and wines uh, one day and then the following day mm-hmm. with different people with different groups mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um usually uh, without remembering what i put down I, I i take my score sheet and i'll set it aside and mm-hmm. I think about it but i'll look at the uh, my scores this following day and they could be a little bit different but not very different. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, and I also like to get the, um, I like to get feedback from everyone else that I'm tasting with mm-hmm. to see what they think. And so if I'm the outlier, then I'll, I think it's good to go back and try it again. And even, I have a, a method of going through this. And if you get to a strong cheese and go back to tasting a milder cheese, then um, it, the nuances can be lost. Right. But, um, but I think that we, I think we have made too much of this pairing thing. I think it's not that big a deal. I'm not saying about you and me right now, but right, I think that Americans but, are just obsessed with it. But these are it. your books. That, uh, yeah, it's like, a, but it's, it's not, we're not really saving lives here. But it, 
It's not life and death. No, it's right, not. Right, but right, it's not, right. you know, when you should just be sitting down and just enjoying it and having fun with it. Right, and not, right. It's not, right, it's not some crucial. sort of egregious if, if you, error. Right. If it's a oh, bad no. marriage yeah. of cheese and wine, you can get over it. I had a <laughs> chevre with a Cabernet. Mon Dieu. <laughs> So how, but, but back to the new cheeses, do they come to you because you're who you are? Do they come to you? Not as much as they used to. <laughs> but I, yeah, I do have opportunities to uh, discover new cheeses. And mm-hmm. uh, so is it when you travel? Is it at yeah. ACS? I mean, when, you know. American Cheese Society, when I judge, uh, I get, to, of course, it's blind when you're judging. You don't know mm-hmm. what cheese you're tasting unless you recognize it outright. Right. But um, at the Festival of Cheeses, then you are able to see, oh, that's what I tasted. And right. You can put right. a name to a cheese. Right. Um, and so. I find the smaller parties are helpful at ACS because there's a smaller amount of cheese. So if you're right. at the Wisconsin cocktail party or the Vermont cocktail party, right. at least it's, you know, you can taste 10 or 20 and remember what you tasted. Whereas and at also the festival, the, it's a little no, bit overwhelming. Yeah, and didn't, everyone's just trying to catch up with her. One right, else. right. It's also the last night. Yeah. Meet the Cheesemaker is a good one. Oh, yes, yes. So you can know. And that's early in the conference, too. I think it's Thursday nights, yeah. usually. Yeah. So that's a good one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you um, travel to Europe to taste cheese? Uh, yes, uh, I've served as guest educator uh, for uh, Cheese Journeys, mm-hmm. and I. Uh, um, but it's, it, it, it's that's why they call it the old world. It's the same old cheeses. <laughs> um, there, I did discover a few new cheeses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about their long term potential, but I did, did discover a few new cheeses being mm-hmm. created in France, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, met them in Strasbourg. Uh, I don't think. Many of those will make it in the United States, but mm-hmm. they were still uh, nice. And so there's there, and to say that uh, England makes some new cheeses, oh, phenomenal. They're you know Neil Shard has has really they have they fed the right, English the artisan cheese movement. artisan movement and encouraged cheese maker. And they don't come here those good new cheeses because they're you know fresh goat cheeses or yeah. Or there's enough demand uh, closer at home. That, mm-hmm. uh, right. You know, those British cheeses do cost a lot. Even the mm-hmm. British traditionals, the, right. the cheddars and right. whatnot, uh, those are still kind of pricey. Mm-hmm. Now, with wine, perhaps um, there is a countable number of cheeses. <laughs> perhaps. But there are certainly not a countable number of wines. Much less beers. <laughs> yeah. So how do you do you stick to old favorites? Do you stick to reliable categories? How do you go about are they new wines you ever recommend? How do you go about dealing with the wine part of the pairing? Um, I have uh, when I do uh, have a uh, cheese and wine class, uh, cheese and wine one hundred and one class, or whatever it's called, or uh, a session. I try to work with um, wines that are one hundred percent varietals, mm-hmm. so that um, it's easier for uh, people to replicate the experience. If they found this particular cheese paired well with this varietal, uh, then they can probably they find can pursue sim- that. They can pursue okay. that. 
uh, and uh, although there are some when styles, the percent, when, the, when their mix is, then the percentages can be yeah, can wacky. Change. Or right. eh, maybe not terribly wacky, but yeah, but there's some uh, stylistic wines, such as Southern Rhone Reds, mm-hmm. which are Grenache dominant, which mm-hmm. will play off of similar cheeses, even though it may be only 55% Grenache. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so that's more reliable. That's a little more reliable. But um, so I, I work with 100% varietals mostly. But then, uh, and like I said earlier, not all Pinot Noirs are the same. Uh, but if not it is all a, Chardonnays are the same. Exactly. And so if you find that a cheese works with a Chardonnay or a Pinot Noir, then it will probably work with another Chardonnay or Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. I mean, stainless steel, barrel fermented, whatever, oak. Uh, malolactic number of combinations because what what seals the deal in a cheese and wine pairing um, is ultimately it's in the aromatics in the aromatics of Pinot Noir no matter how vinified or where the Pinot Noir grape is grown will have that Pinot Noir aromatic Uh which is Distinct from Chardonnay, which is distinct from Riesling, mm-hmm. distinct from. Do you feel the aromatic is the most important aspect of the pairing? Ultimately, hmm. it's not. It may not be. Uh, I don't like to weigh it by percentages, but mm-hmm. I think it's what, what determines ultimately whether or not that was a, a, a pairing that that made sense. Because mm-hmm. uh, the first indication of a successful successful pairing is if you're hungry and thirsty, it will probably work. <laughs> um, and then there's also the terroir-driven. Uh, now you talk about that a bit in the Swatch book, and and basically, I think you said it's more it, people are making more out of it than they should. Well, uh, and no? for good yes. reason. I think mm-hmm. they are, but mm-hmm. it's it, it's understood because uh, it's it's the only uh, empirical. Uh, Reliable, empirically reliable suggestion of a successful match is if the cheese and wine grew, were produced next to each other, then they should naturally work. Uh huh. Um, because there's nothing else that really you can just point to. You can't. You can throw a dart on the map and look for the cheese and wine produced closest to each other, and that should work. Mm-hmm. But it's not a given. Why should it? Um, because if I mean, what if they make three wines in that area? Precisely. And one works great, and two don't. Right. And that's, but if that, that would, in more cases than not, cheese and wines do pair well together. Uh-huh. Number one. Uh huh. But um, but if um, but if they've been produced alongside each other for a long time, and they do have um, they do have the uh, joie de vivre, and they have similar soil and climate conditions and everything else that goes mm-hmm. into shaping terroir, that would be a good determinant of mm-hmm. successful pairings. But it's a as you know, cheese making is rather complicated, right? And um, so it's not as is wine making. As is wine making, <laughs> so you can't. I, and I, year I, to I, year, it's different. I mean, you, I notice you you did not you don't go near years. Not with cheeses, right? Uh, well, no, but in the in the wine part, do you? Uh, no. Do and you on the app point. go near years? We decided not to. Okay. Uh, we decided at first I did, mm-hmm. uh, but then I took it out because I'm recommending that you pair a particular cheese with a Beaujolais Nouveau from 1997 <laughs> and uh, not so Nouveau anymore. So maybe that would yeah, it might be done. confuse the reader. <laughs> so, so I decided just, it worked well those? in 1997, but 
You loved it. It was one of your favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Back was, in the day. It was great that day. <laughs> that day in 97. No, I uh, think it's... Uh, I, yeah, as far as uh, trying to make some recommendations, I think that um, ultimately the aroma is most important. Hunger and thirst is the first thing. Mm-hmm. Hunger uh, and thirst. Hunger okay. and thirst. If you got some hunger and thirst, it's going <laughs> to go well. Pretty well. <laughs> okay. Now, what are you writing a new book? Is Do you have a new book up your sleeve or in your brain? or? Yeah, I've had a book up my sleeve for a long time, but uh, I have to... Uh, these hobbies that I have, writing books and developing apps, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they take up a lot of time and uh, they got to pay somehow or uh-huh. else it's not worth it. But I think it is important to at least uh, use any time that I have a microphone to or a speaking engagement somewhere mm-hmm. uh, or any uh, writing assignment uh, wherever possible to promote Jesus and your perfect food. Ah. Because uh, okay, it, it, explain it, it, why it's it, cheese is <laughs> still so badly maligned, and I'm seeing it uh, just this past week. Seeing people saying badly maligned, uh, badly, badly, badly maligned and as so, unhealthy, as unhealthy or unsafe, oh. or uh, it's it's and for a number of reasons, not, not that it's perfect. I said near perfect, and so. Uh-huh. That's one reason why the ACS conference uh, years ago, I was moderator of a panel when I decided to call it Cheese Near Perfect Food. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so successful uh, that we decided to do uh, the next year Nearer to Perfect. <laughs> and if we'd done the third year, it was going to be Nearest to Perfect. And then the following perfect. year would be Perfect. <laughs> we stopped at Nearer to Perfect because uh, I wanted to give it a couple of years. And now uh, this year at ACS in Des Moines. Uh, it's going to be invited. Perfect. Well, it's going to be perfecter. Uh, I've been invited to be a panelist on um, uh, the topic is uh, cheese and nutrition. Okay. And uh, so uh, Alice Birchnell is the uh, moderator, Mm -hmm. and uh, she asked me on the panel. And so uh, I want to lay it all out. Have you – are you familiar with the book The Big Fat Surprise? Oh, yes. I I love that book. I had uh, Nina on my show. Wow. And she has – done such amazing research she should come speak at acs yeah uh, that's a good idea you know just unveiling the uh disturbed research that right. went into the low-fat diet right and how it just was a bunch of doctors personalities that decided this was good for everybody and went full speed ahead and and she debunks it quite extensively. Oh, effectively. Yeah, she did her research. Yeah. That was a yeah. beautiful book. Yeah. No, it was one of those. It was a... A hard read. A bit of a hard read. I mean... Yeah. A little bit technical in parts, but she. But that's what you want when you want uh, when you want to have something to uh, to go against um, this, this. Yes, yes. But it's not just fat, and right. people look at cheese. Uh, well, I've always been indulgence. a believer in protein. Protein's cool, <laughs> and carbs have their place too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, but it's yeah, it's rather complicated. And, well, you were on this. You were one of the first people on this bandwagon. I can remember way back you saying cheese was healthy and perfect. Near perfect. Near perfect. <laughs> no, it's a primordial food, and that's, uh, that's, we have to give it that. It's derived from our first mm-hmm. food, our only mm-hmm. food for the first several weeks or months of our lives, and even mm-hmm. before we're born, mm-hmm. we're having cheese, except it's blood. Uh-huh. 
It just hasn't <laughs> fermented yet. It hasn't been filtered into a white, whitish uh-huh. <laughs> liquid well, yet. We are speaking to the choir. On this show, <laughs> oh, of course, we Sorry. don't really. Sorry, guys. I don't know if telling them they're like they should eat blood is a good. <laughs> yeah, go for it, blood pudding, blood pudding and cheese. Oh, great! Oh, great! Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and discussing Thanks, your Amy. app and your book. Uh, my next show is on March twenty first, and I'll have three cheese artists on. Uh, where did I put it? Uh, Deborah Ziss and Mike Gino, I believe, and Dylan Stanfield, the uh, the miniature guy. Did you see the miniatures at ACS? Mm-mm. Oh, they're phenomenal. Um, so we're discussing cheese art on March 21st, and I want to thank Max McCalman and his wonderful wine and cheese swatch book and everyone should upload the app because it's free it's free on itunes free. only no android Forget it. not happening yet oh okay no android no, okay. sorry you you complicated <laughs> android listen uh users will have to wait sorry you have to wait yeah. and um concerned it, about malware right right it's been a delightful cutting the curd thank you very much and we'll see you in a month perfect thank you Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.